All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode, the full episode with John and Chuck. Yes, Chuck will be back from his sojourn to the mile-high city of Denver. He will be back this week, the full episode with John and Chuck uh, coming out later in the week, probably the regular time sometime on Thursday. Big weekend in the NBA, big night in the NBA. I recorded this interview with Sam Vecini in the afternoon. I just got done watching Grizzlies Jazz. Grit and Grind is back, baby. A very exciting win, a win I did not see coming last week on the step back when I wrote my little write-up for our podcast, and I titled it, uh, The Grizzlies Are Doomed. Was I thinking, yes, I hope the parish curse hits this and jinxes it, reverses it? Yeah, I was trying to do the old uh, reverse jinx on the Grizzlies. So far, so good. Uh, won that game in Utah a big surprising although Mike Wallace of Grind City Media just I think he's trolling us pointing out he, he tweeted something to the effect like just imagine the Grizzlies are doing this despite Jamichael Green not playing with injury and starter Chandler Parsons leaving the game at halftime with injury it's like you're, you're trolling me aren't you you're trying to make me angry uh yeah, so once the plus-minus numbers come out, or once the on-off numbers come out after this game for uh, Chandler Parsons' season so far, the guys should not be playing NBA basketball against starters. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, we talk in the interview with Sam Vecini today about kind of the scoring explosion, Grizzlies jazz game notwithstanding, uh, and also uh, Celtics magic. Those two games were the first where a team did not reach 100 points this year. But I talk about... I talk, about the scoring explosion. We also talk about some injury news, uh, about the Nuggets, about the uh, the G League stuff with the offering money to guys out of high school. A couple announcements. Uh, we Our T-shirt design contest finally wrapped up, and we announced that winner, uh, Matt Rukowski, uh, one of our Patreon supporters, as it turns out, uh, submitted a very funny Tibbs ice scream uh, picture. It's it's creepy enough for Halloween. Uh, if you want to buy that, you can head over. Uh, probably check our Twitter. There's no easy way to say the URL. I assume you're not writing it down. Uh, I'll put the URL in the podcast description to see uh, this Thibodeau ice cream. Uh, very funny image. Is it disturbing? Yes, it's disturbing. But there's probably a Timberwolves fan in your life uh, who needs it. So congrats to Matt, also known as Monte World Peace, for doing that. Uh, his shirt is on the way to him, plus uh, his $30 and a fast break breakfast towel, if he doesn't have one already. Also, for people in the Nashville area, that's right, we're doing Grizzlies watch parties again. Get excited. This team just beat the Jazz. They got a winning record. Season ends today. They're in the playoffs. But anyway, we're doing a watch party on Saturday, October 27th uh, at the Mainstay over in East Nashville, the mainstay. It's on Main Street. That is Saturday, 7 p.m. against the Phoenix Suns. We will have a bunch of giveaways, uh, some Grizzlies swag, some drawings for some nice Grizzlies prizes. Uh, Anyone is invited if they want to come hang out with me, John, 
or Chuck, but we will, we will be giving away only Grizzlies things, I think. Uh, there will be drink specials and all that kind of good stuff. So check all that out. Also, I got to tell you, implore you, download that draft app, draft.com slash fast break. Get in on draft. Use the code fast break. Draft is a daily fantasy game. I love playing it for NBA season. You can do a snake draft or an auction draft against three people, six people, eight people, whatever. I normally play for just a buck, and you just draft your team that night. You play a little daily fantasy. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's the strategy of the draft, so it's not a salary cap league where you just you can all grab some of the same guys. No, no, no. You have you only get each unique player. Uh, you can play against your friends. I play against the fast break listeners. If you want to do an expert draft where it leaves out the best players, then you're doing stuff where, you know, it's like, do I take Mo Bamba or uh, Damian Jones? Or I hope if I get, like, the third pick, maybe I need to go ahead and grab JaVale McGee when I can. Like, it's, it's really fun. Uh, it's for extreme NBA nerds. And you can win yourself some money. I have a lot of success playing against strangers on there. Uh, you can pay, pay with PayPal. Right now, if you sign up using our code FASTBREAK, you will get a free $3 game, uh, entry into any $3 game. So you can win some money. It's really easy. It's totally legal, I think, in, like, 48 states. Uh, because fantasy sports is a game of skill. So sign up there, play draft, use our code FASTBREAK. Follow me on there at FASTBREAK. Well, actually, just FASTBREAK Breakfast, uh, and I'll follow you back, and then I can challenge you to games that I do, uh, that I create, or you can challenge me to your games. I'll play a one-on-one, whatever. It's a bunch of fun. Draft.com slash FASTBREAK. Use our code FASTBREAK. My guest today is a writer for The Athletic. He covers the NBA and college basketball and the draft and is the host of the Game Theory podcast and is a return guest on Fast Break Breakfast, Sam Vecini. Sam, how's it going? Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm, I'm proud to be a, a, a second-time appearance. Third yeah, time? Second so time? I, I think two. I've realized yeah. um, interviewing people like every week for over two years I lose track of, of even like who's been on the show, but uh, I know you. I know you were on last summer. We took we spoke right after uh, Vegas Summer League, so I, th- I think that was the only other time you came on. Uh, but I'm doing great. I am glad to be on the show, regardless. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we've been blessed with like an incredible opening week. I I mean, obviously, I think self evidently, like I'm an NBA fan, you're an NBA fan, but. Maybe I don't remember how excited I was other years. It seems like it's been incredible so far. We've had the scoring explosions. We had, like, the fight, which that was fun. Come on. Uh, we had Nikola Jokic, perfect game. We had Kimba Walker setting some shooting records. Joe Ingles almost matched those shooting records. So uh, I'm very excited to speak to you about it. But obviously, before we get into it, Sam, when's the last good breakfast you had? The last good breakfast I had was probably... At the beginning of the month, I would say maybe two <laughs> weeks ago, Okay, um, I was out in Orlando, and then we went uh, on a cruise down to the Bahamas, and the breakfasts there were just unbelievable, like anything that you, uh, anything that your heart could desire right. were there. And uh, I would say that my personal favorite was the Eggs Benedict. Okay. With, uh, salmon on it. It was just delicious. I, 
I'm almost certain this goes back to me not being able to remember what's been on my show before. I'm almost certain this is like four straight guests who have brought Egg Benedict to the table. Eggs Benedict to the table. I'm not not complaining. It's a good streak to be on. Uh, was yeah, it also? Was, you know what? You yeah. know what my breakfast was today. What's I, that? I won't complain about it. I had a Stumptown cold brew. Stumptown and- cold brew. Is that a is that a plug? Are you plugging? Is that a? It felt like a plug. I'm not plugging. I am just a big fan of Stumptown Cold Brew. It's like this brewery, <laughs> uh, coffee brewery that started up in Portland, I guess. Right. Uh, the only reason I know this is I think that Ian Carmel explained it to me one time. Um, he like uh, is a big fan of it from Portland. And uh, I remember we were like out one night uh, at Summer League when he was there and said something to me about it. And I found this place in L.A. that serves it. And oh, my God, it is it gives you a ridiculous jolt in the morning. It is probably the most caffeinated thing I've ever drank in my life. And I'm a big fan of it. That is the most, that's probably the best ad read we've ever had on the show. And you're not, <laughs> and you're not even getting paid for it. I, uh, I, I feel bad. I, I'm aware of Stumptown. I'm pretty sure there's nowhere in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, that it's available, but so that's too bad. Too bad for those guys. Uh, also shout out friend of the show, Ian Carmel. All right. So you've been neglecting breakfasts since your trip to the Bahamas, but anyway, Let's get to the basketball. As I said, it's been a scoring explosion. Can you tell me what's going on with that? Like, how are these teams scoring so much? Like, when, it, when is it going to tail off? And when it tails off, like, what's, what's it going to be at? So what we're seeing definitely is an insane increase in pace right now. Um, last season, I think we were at 97.1 possessions uh, per 48 minutes. This season, we're at, like, 102, which... I think 102 would be the highest number since like the mid eighties. And even last year, 97 possessions per 48 minutes was, I believe the highest number since 1991. So last year pace was increasing and things were getting very up and down, at least in comparison to what we found before. But this year, I mean, it's just insane in terms of pace and what you're seeing is an increase in teams trying to get out on the break and you're seeing an increase in uh, fouls being called. I think that we can't really underestimate the fact that free throw rate is at just a ridiculously high number right now because officials are calling fouls at a substantial rate. And then the final portion of this as well, I think that's kind of contributing to the pace being higher is the new rule where the shot clock only resets to 14 seconds after offensive rebounds and look like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's worth five possessions each way a game, but I think that it's probably worth a couple. So uh, I think that whenever you look at all of those factors, you know, you're going to see an increase in pace and you're obviously going to see an increase in scoring. Now, did I see uh, the Pelicans dropping like 150 points (laughs) in opening weekend? Probably not. But uh, part of me is not particularly surprised that there's an explosion in scoring because of the factors at play in terms of pace. I'm more impressed that the Kings put up 129 and still lost by 20. That's that's amazing. <laughs> like I'm not even mad. That's that's just that's just amazing. So do you think it's going to level off once we kind of settle into? All right, maybe the refs aren't going to call everything. Maybe the freedom of movement calls we're seeing. There's going to be less of that. Like, is it going to is it going to come down? Or is it going to maybe we're going to see a significant like a two or three percent increase on scoring on uh, pace from the previous year just because maybe teams are getting smarter and they're all jacking threes like the the Bucks and the Hawks and everybody else just putting up insane three point totals. 
Well, the wild thing is if you look at three point rate right now across mm-hmm. the league, it's only like slightly higher, but whenever you look at like specific teams, there are a lot of specific teams that are really hoisting. Well, it's because the, the, the Warriors are refusing to shoot threes this season. They're bringing the whole league down. Yeah. I mean like Chicago, I think is only taking like 27 threes a game. And then you look at <laughs> Charlotte, I think, is it like 40 threes a game and Atlanta's at like 40 threes a game. And obviously Houston's over 40 because they always have been, but I, uh, you look at some of these teams and they're really just out there chucking three point attempts and it's really fun. And I'm excited to see how this goes. Yeah, that's wild. I, I don't feel like I've noticed the foul calls as much as a consumer. I feel like maybe I'm just too giddy that the, the season is back where I'm not getting frustrated yet. Or there's, you know, there's more things to watch. I can, I can flip channels like overshooting free throws again. Because it, it feels like it's, I don't know, it feels like it's all coming naturally from the flow uh, of the game. And you're just like, how are these teams, how are the Bulls scoring 120 points? How are the, you know, uh, how did the Hawks hit 22 threes? I was almost stunned in Warriors Nuggets it was like 36 to 28 and there was like five minutes to go in the half. And I was like, what's wrong with these guys? Like, why is this so low scoring? Well, like that. And then you see the Utah jazz dropping, I think 47 last Friday in the second quarter against the golden state warriors. And look like Utah is a very good basketball team, but their offense is questionable, right? Like we, we're not really sure what to expect from their offense coming into the season. So it, it's very interesting to me that we're at this stage where uh, things have not yet leveled off. Uh, typically, uh, you know, you'll get like a couple of teams that are really going crazy, shooting the ball from distance and things will level off. But it seems like, I mean, half the league is really chucking. Whereas like another half of the league is not necessarily going crazy with it. Um, and, and in terms of pace again, like pace of play is just off the charts right now. Like I, I just genuinely don't believe that a lot of teams are going to want to run uh, as much as they are throughout the course of an 82 game season, because it's hard to stay healthy over the course of an 82 game season. And it's a lot of wear and tear on bodies. So I think that you will s- start to see it slow down, but you will certainly see an increase in scoring uh, over the course of what has been the last couple of years, at least. Okay, so another thing that's been super entertaining outside of the scoring was the fight. And I know fights are bad, you know, in a uh, black or white morality sense. But come on, fights on the basketball court where no one gets hurt. That's entertainment. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to get upset. Uh, however, a thing that has gotten people upset is the suspensions that got handed out. I haven't seen a single person who who's happy with the suspensions outside of uh, Brandon Ingram, who said he was surprised he was only suspended four games. So uh, Rondo got suspended three games, Ingram four games. Um... Chris Paul got suspended two games. Everyone's mad about it. If I were to make an argument, or Sam, if you had to make an argument for why the league got it right, how would you convince me that these suspensions were just? Um, I'll say that I think that Chris Paul's was fine. Like, look, you can't go into the workplace and punch one of your colleagues. So, like, of course he had to get some sort of punishment. I think, I got sorry, Sam, to interrupt. The workplace argument, I, I can't ever, I can't ever get around that. Like, this is not an office. Nothing that happens sure. in a basketball game is the workplace. If they were, if it was like at practice, that's closer to workplace. But I, I'm still, uh, I, I'm not fine with workplace arguments, but I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I, I generally agree with you on this, but like, at the end of the day, you can't have like people punching each other sure. in the middle of a basketball floor. I mean, if I were and, and if like, I were a tank top to my workplace, I'd get fired too. But keep going. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> the the thing here is though that like with Chris Paul, I'm comfortable with it. Like I, I sure. think a couple games is fine. Yeah. Um, Rajon Rondo, like if he could maybe have made a pitch to the league that him spitting on Chris Paul was an accident. I'm very skeptical of that argument, but like if that's the case he made and if the league buys it a little bit, sure, I get three games. And then if you're only giving Rajon Rondo three games, you probably need to not like go crazy overboard with Brandon Ingram. Cause like to me, what I would have said is like, I think that Rajon Rondo probably should have gotten like 10 games. Like Mm -hmm. you, you cannot go and spit on another human being and have that be a normal, uh, course of the, uh, you know, run of play. You you just can't do it. It's just incredibly disrespectful. It's disgusting. And it's, uh, completely ridiculous. And not only did he spit, he threw the first punch, but anyway, keep going. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, look, Chris Paul, even he just like, didn't even, if, if, Rajon Rondo like spits on someone. I would expect that the other person immediately wheels off and punches them, punches Rajon Rondo square in the face. The fact that Chris Paul's immediate reaction was, I'm just going to kind of like shove his face out of my way. It was actually kind of impressive to me that he didn't just wheel around and destroy him. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so again, I get Chris Paul only getting two games. I, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, Rajon Rondo should have gotten like 10. In my opinion, you can't go and spit on teammate or go spit on other people. And then Brandon Ingram, the thing that is a problem with Ingram's move is that a, he set the entire thing off by approaching an official in an incredibly aggressive manner where he also like made contact with the official with his lower body. Like you can't make contact with officials. I, I was very shocked that he only got four games. I thought that he would get probably three games for the punch and then probably three games for making contact with an official, uh, while in an aggressive posture. So yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I- I'm just as surprised as Brandon Ingram. <laughs> I'm man, I'm, I'm blown away. You didn't, uh, as far as like your, your debate team score, you didn't really convince me the NBA got it right. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I like I, everything you said. I mean, I agree with. Like, I I was stunned. The Brandon Ingram thing. I almost wonder if they brought into some kind of secret extenuating circumstances argument. Like, I was out all night because my whatever my cousin was sick. I had to do this because his behavior on the court was insane. Like, maybe this guy should be checked for Lyme disease. Why is he running into to the to the fracas, just punching people from the back. Like, why did he shove uh, James Harden to start with? Why is he aggressively going at the referee? And I'm, I'm very publicly pro referee on this podcast. So I thought like that, that just the referee thing, it seems like would be three games. Uh, and then like all the punching. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't wrap my, my mind around it. Maybe LeBron James and the Lakers were like, Hey, if you take it easy, we promise not to rest LeBron James all season. Or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe they worked out a back a backroom deal, but uh, otherwise I, I can't figure it out. More that like Brandon has absolutely no history of sure. anything like this. Um, again, I, I don't think in this case that's a great argument, but <laughs> I, I think that that probably had something to do with it. I uh, I judge all suspensions relative to Zach Randolph getting suspended for Game Seven 
of a playoff series against the Thunder <laughs> for for a forearm that like was into a, into Stephen Adams' shoulder, and yes, maybe it slipped over the shoulder into the throat. The refs didn't call anything, and then days later, it stunned the world with the suspension. So if that's one game, that's where I judge everything. And so I'm like, I don't. Seems like that's way harsher than. I don't know. It seems like everything I saw on Sunday night in this Rockets-Lakers game was way more extreme than that one-game suspension or other one-game suspensions I've seen. Like, if Zach Randolph comes running into a, a fracas after the fact to sucker punch somebody, although he's actually kind of lovable. Maybe he wouldn't get suspended that many games. But it seems like well, if someone even the, bigger... The problem than, is that Zach, if Zach would have came in and did it, he there would be, like, <laughs> blood on the ground yeah, and, yeah. like, someone would be dead. Yeah, yeah he would have he would have blood-misted somebody. Uh, anyway, speaking of uh, horrible, gruesome injuries, uh, there have been a couple of injuries so far that uh, have put a damper on the otherwise exciting opening to the season. Uh, Jermichael Green from my favorite team, the Grizzlies, uh, broke his jaw, and he's out uh, over a month. And then Will Barton, maybe he's going to be out, I think, five to six weeks. A just, report just came out uh, with a hip-slash-groin thing. Uh, first of all, with Jermichael Green, my first immediate reaction was to think, hey, this could actually be a good thing. Uh, do you agree with that take, or was that just me as a Grizzlies fan coping with the injury? Uh, I think Jermichael is a useful player, so like anytime you lose a useful player, it's not good. But I, I do think that there's an argument that, hey, Jaron Jackson is probably their third best player, so like uh, it's good that Jaron Jackson will be playing uh, in their starting lineup. I, I will be interested to see how Memphis starts to use uh, Jaron Jackson, maybe now that he plays more minutes with Mike Conley. And this is assuming that Jaron starts, which I don't think that's been announced yet. Did yeah, I miss uh, that? we're recording on Monday afternoon. Uh, the starting lineups haven't been announced. I'm actually going to go on record. Uh, I'm assuming Jaron Jackson won't start. Uh, I would assume they'd actually put like Caspi or, or Kyle Anderson or something like that, which I'm not going to be too worked up about because I feel like now Jaron Jackson has to play all the backup center minutes. So I'm I'm fine with some... Uh, some, uh, you know, staggering those minutes, but sure. Yeah. That that's reasonable. As long as Jaron is playing like yeah. a lot of minutes. Yes. That's really what matters. <laughs> yes. Um, and I would like to see him play a lot of minutes with Mike Conley because one thing that they're not doing a whole lot of right now is pick and popping Jaron Jackson. Uh, that's what his best skill is. In mm -hmm. my opinion, he is unbelievable at, you know, pick and popping, pick and short rolling, pick and diving. They're kind of playing him a lot in like the short corner. They're kind of posting him a lot. And I don't love that to be honest. So, uh, I would like to see him try and develop some chemistry with Mike Conley, given the fact that those two guys are the Grizzlies certainly are planning on having both of those guys around for a long time, uh, at least for the next three years or so. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would like to see those two try and develop some chemistry together. Yeah, I agree. And the reason I thought it was going to be like secretly a good thing, you know, it's bad to use a useful player, as you say. But I think the lineups have been bizarre the first couple of games. And yeah. in, in my mind, this, all right, well, if we lose one functional big in the front court, that means we have to size up these lineups. So maybe Parsons will only play the four and Caspi will be in and Anderson and Jackson will have to play more. Because like you said, Jaron Jackson is probably their third best player. I don't disagree. If it's not Jaron Jackson, I think it might be Kyle Anderson. And I don't yeah. understand any NBA team starting a game with their third and fourth best players on the bench 
and only playing them, you know, like under 30 minutes, like 20 to 25 minutes. That was driving me insane uh, based on two games. So my hope is, all right, we lose Jermichael Green and we're incredibly thin at center. If Jermichael, if uh, Jaron Jackson gets in foul trouble, if Marcus Gasol's back seizes up again, like that makes me nervous. But hopefully now we can see some of these more interchangeable lineups where we size up, where Dylan Brooks gets to play it as like the actual three and, you know, and then Caspi and Parsons are the four. Kyle Anderson actually plays four. Kyle Anderson actually plays with Mike Conley. You know, go figure. It seems like that might yeah. be a good idea uh, every now and then. Um, looking at the Nuggets injury situation, the Nuggets obviously have gotten off to a great start on the year. Uh, losing Will Barton in a, a wing rotation that was already incredibly thin no like natural small forwards uh this seems like it's it's a more difficult loss or a bigger loss but then again maybe i can spin it in my mind in the long run if he's only out you know the five weeks and if this gives a chance for tory craig to get some on the job experience to figure out a way to play Juancho Hernan gomez more like maybe this will benefit the nuggets in the long run uh what what's your take on, on that situation yeah i think that Again, Will's a really, really good player, but the thing that Will doesn't do that Denver is doing really, really well this year is defend. Uh, Will is not a great defender. He is someone who can really get you buckets and can create offense and does a good job passing the ball and keeping the ball moving on the perimeter. Um, but one of the thing, one of the reasons that Denver has been so good this year is they've been unbelievable defensively. They are a 96.1 defensive rating, which is, I think, five or six points clear of number two in the league right now, which is just totally crazy to me. Um, and I think part of the reason is that guys like Tory Craig are playing 21 minutes a night. Um, you get the re-edition of Paul Millsap in, uh, Hernan Gomez obviously had the great block on Damian Jones, but I think he's been, uh, an underrated smart defender for a while. I, I don't know. He's necessarily like some above average defender, but he's smart and he knows where to be. Um, and, and doesn't get lost out there. Like just having guys who are solid defensively, I think really helps you and it really matters. So, I think getting some chemistry there, continuing to get uh, the team rolling defensively, I think will help them long term. And then the reintroduction of Will Barton, maybe he reassumes the sixth man role where he has been so successful over the course of his career. I think that's uh, one place that particularly um, Denver could use a little bit of help right now is with some bench scoring. Uh, Monte Morris has been really good. And I really like the idea of playing Will Barton with him because Will can help share the creative responsibilities. And Monte is such a good shooter as well. Um, you know, Malik Beasley hasn't really been knocking down shots yet. Uh, uh, you know, like Wancho has been fine in that regard. Trey Lyles has started really cold, so they could use someone off the bench that I think could give them a little bit of a spark and maybe keep Tory Craig in the starting lineup where the defense has worked so well. Yeah, I got to shout out uh, Trey Lyles, who in our uh, our proprietary negative fantasy league, I think he was 0 for 5 with six turnovers, which is spectacular and almost impossible to do. He had an incredible score uh, that night. Yeah, a big surprise for the Nuggets is uh, Monte Morris. You know, like he's looking like totally competent. Like just the Nuggets getting back up point guard play is a big help. But I, I think maybe this injury can it gives like Mike Malone permission to maybe leave Will Barton as that sixth man role, like when he comes back, like if the team plays well without him. Cause I think one of the reasons I wasn't as optimistic about the nuggets as a lot of people were, and a lot of their writers were, 
is because I just I didn't I thought the starting lineup didn't make any sense. It seemed like whatever spark that Will Barton gives you might come at the detriment of getting other guys, more efficient guys, better shots. And even Will Barton, I think, is surprisingly efficient for kind of like when you watch him play. But like I'd rather Gary Harris shoot or Nikola Jokic be like the hub of all offense. And so maybe putting like a lower usage guy in there with the starting unit who can defend like Tory Craig, who 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 will shoot when he's open, but you know he's going to defer and let the other guys get shots. Uh, even Paul Millsap, who's kind of struggling with his offense, then maybe that would benefit them. But I don't know. Will Barton is a he's a very good player, and uh, I'm sure that they're, they're going to miss him uh, at some point soon. Yeah, I will say one thing with Tory Craig, like you kind of saw it at the end of the Warriors game uh, last night. Wow, that was only last night. Um, the what the Warriors did is they just threw Andre Iguodala on Torrey Craig and then let Iguodala play center field yeah. and weigh sag off of Craig and allow him to kind of help all over the floor. That's kind of the risk you run with Torrey Craig is you're playing something like four on five on offense or four and a half on five. That's a problem. He needs to be able to prove that he can consistently make shots at least at like a 33% clip, like 35% clip would be great. But it's essentially going to be a fine line with Torrey Craig closing games because uh, his defensive activity, his disruptiveness, his quickness is a legitimate plus to have out there. Like you saw last night, he caused some issues for the Warriors out there. He grabbed some big rebounds. Uh, he had a couple of deflections in the last five minutes. Uh, the The pendulum swung the right way for the Warriors uh, or for the Nuggets whenever they had Torrey Craig in that late game scenario on Sunday night. Now, Will it swing the other way at some point this year? It probably will, just as it does for everyone. But they need to figure out where that equilibrium is, I think, with Torrey Craig out there closing games. Because I think right now he is their best option to close at the three. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, even if Torrey Craig maintains that starting role, you would probably assume in most closing situations, especially when offense is needed, uh, Will yeah. Barton uh, is going to be out there. Although we haven't seen, uh, w- there have been a few... Uh, notable gaffes on offense defense substitutions. I noticed like a Jabari Parker out there for a final defensive possession for the, uh, the bulls in a game they lost whoopsie Daisy, as they say, uh, final topic, you cover college basketball somehow, uh, and you uh, track the draft. So there's been some news, um, regarding high school prospects and they're still trying to negotiate to get like rid of the one and done. But, uh, what's been going on first of all, the G league rule, where the G League is now going to offer select prospects $125,000 um, to come into the G League instead of going to college. What effect is that going to, is going to have? Uh, is it going to affect anything? Like, is this going to hurt NCAA? Are, are guys going to take them up on this offer? Uh, how, how is that going to change the landscape? I don't really think it's going to hurt college basketball all that much because realistically, I don't think, and there's still so much to be, uh, laid out in terms of the logistics of this thing. Uh, we really don't know enough about it to have anything other than just like skepticism regarding it. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that I don't think this is going to play a major role in college basketball, if only because I don't think that we're going to see a flood of top prospects taking this. Um, like Darius Baisley is a kid that is uh, just turned 19, graduated uh, high school last year and is sitting out the year instead of playing the G League, which is what he initially announced he was going to do because the people around him, Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, everyone uh, hopefully from 
you know, his mom on through his support system told him that playing in the G league as a skinny six foot nine dude with a six eleven wingspan who doesn't have a well-developed game is a bad idea because mm-hmm. that will expose you. The dudes in the G league are much, much better than the guys playing college basketball. It is the best of the best, uh, who are not in the NBA playing, uh, from college basketball. So, uh, you risk getting exposed in the G League in such a significant way that I think that $125,000 isn't really worth the risk in terms of play. It's just not. And in the NBA draft scenario or in college basketball as well, it, you're really all about risk mitigation. Once you're an elite level prospect more than anything, uh, Darius Baisley, my guess is someone will take him in the first round this year because people just haven't seen him a whole lot. Uh, it's a smart move in my opinion. So I, I, I just don't think this is a game changer I, in, in any way, unless they really find a way to make it, uh, logistically work in a way to where uh, high school players are beating down the door to do it. So in the situation where, so like uh, Basley is an interesting one because he, he signed this huge shoe deal uh, with new balance where he's apparently here's what I will say. Yeah. I, that is not that big of a shoe deal either. It's bigger than what I've seen in the past for guys in his scenario, but we don't really have any sort of detail on the length of the deal on like how much he's getting versus how much rich Paul is getting. We don't know enough about what, what is involved in that deal. It's only a guarantee of 1 million. If it's a guarantee of 1 million over the course of six years, uh, with incentives up to 14 million, of course, but like if it's a guarantee of 1 million over the course of six years, he's making like $170,000 on top of it. That's like not a lot for a shoe deal. Well, it's interesting just because it's a, it's a guy who mock drafts uh, have put him at like the end of the first round, I think is what I read. Um, this yeah, is all way outside right. of my uh, level of knowledge. But like, just say like, we're going to sign this guy just as like prospecting, like New Balance is prospecting that this guy can become something. And it's apparently an internship, which is hilarious to me. Apparently he's going to have an office job for three months, like not a basketball job, which is its own, its own thing. But in this scenario, a different scenario, a scenario of a guy like Ben Simmons, where you think, you know, yeah. the, the, the few guys who are elite enough and everyone says like, this guy is physically gifted enough to come in right now and make an impact right out of high school. Are those guys going to accept the G League 125 or are those guys going to be able to sign on with the clutch sports of the world and negotiate their own bigger shoe deals and then probably also sit out as well? So here's what I'd say. Guys like Ben Simmons, uh, like Zion Williamson, guys that are super well-known already uh, entering college or were super well-known entering college, like Zion Williamson could absolutely command millions of dollars on the advertising market right now. I have zero doubts about that from shoe deals to basic advertisements in general, everything along those lines, he could go out and command millions of dollars right now is the difference between 125,000 and 36,000, what he would make in the G league right now, really that big of a deal to him? Like, shouldn't he be doing going to the G league anyway? Uh, even without the $125,000 deal. So uh, like to me that that's just not, this isn't an incentive toward 
a Zion Williamson or a Ben Simmons going to the G League just because how the incentives don't change for those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, but if he went to the G League, like, he could also, obviously, if you're in college, you can't get a shoe deal. But the idea being, maybe I want to actively play basketball instead of taking the year off. And then maybe I take the 125 and then also get a shoe deal. Like, would that make it worthwhile to him? Uh, Yes, sure. But, like, again, that guy can do that right now. Uh Um, Like, there's nothing stopping him from doing that right now. Like, the fact that he could get $90,000 more, which after taxes is what, in this case, probably, like, sixty thousand dollars more in hand like that's kind of a drop in the bucket compared to what his shoe deal is though you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. I, I don't really think that the 125 offer is what is incentivizing him to you know go to the g league versus going to college realistically like he could he could go make a million dollars in the g league right now uh with his shoe deal with any advertisements that he could get because he's Zion Williamson, because he has 2 million Instagram followers, because he has this profile already. So again, like to me, it's just not something that is going to make a difference in in terms of the marketplace. And you know, whatever Duke is given to him, that's, that's tax free, baby. No joke. Like, honestly, (laughs) I've talked to many NBA executives that said, I don't think that $125,000 taxed is outbidding whatever they're getting from college. Yeah. Did, did they, I feel like I saw someone say, say this, did, did they come up with that number on that's like the, the, the going rate for prospects based on like the FBI trial? It's like 125, um, get it done. They did. That was certainly not the way it was announced. Um, <laughs> the, the other like thing that I've talked to folks about as well is like, does this just incentivize uh, shoe companies like Adidas and Nike and Under Armour who have multi-million dollar per year contracts with colleges to outbid $125,000 to get kids to the colleges where yeah. they already have these long-term investments in terms of uh, apparel deals. So, you know, it's does it set the market essentially at a higher <laughs> right. rate? Um so yeah, no, I, I don't think this is much of a game changer to be honest, because these guys have this option already. And I don't think that $90,000 is going to incentivize anyone to, uh, do to do this really. Well, there you go. Final conclusion, still a mess. All right. Well, Sam, Hey, thanks for uh, coming on. appreciate you making the time to come back on, uh, tell people where they can uh, check out all your stuff. Yeah, go to The Athletic. A lot of really great writers over there. Uh, That's where I write as well. I will have some more NBA draft stuff coming up here soon. I have to write about Jonte Porter at some point this week because Jonte Porter is out for the year now after tearing his ACL and MCL, so you could look for that. Um, NBA Draft Big Board will be out before the start of the college basketball season. Keep your eyes peeled for that. And go to the uh, Game Theory Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Wherever you listen to the fast break break breakfast. Wow. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful if you're not used to saying it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wherever you're listening to this, just go and hit the subscribe button on the game three podcast and you'll be able to hear a little bit more from me. That'll be great. Uh, Thanks again, Sam. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Yep. Anytime, Keith. All right. Thanks to Sam for coming on. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. All right. Remember, Nashville people, we're having a Grizzlies watch party on Saturday, October 27th. The game's at 7 p.m. at the Mainstay. We'll be giving away a bunch of Grizzlies stuff there. Drink specials. It'll be a fun way to hang out on a Saturday. 
night. Make sure you download the draft app, draft.com slash fastbreak. Use our code fastbreak. Get a free $3 game. Play some daily fantasy in a unique setting. I love it. I'm literally addicted to it. Not literally. Well, I mean, I really like it. I play it every day. I don't know what that means. But draft.com slash fastbreak. Use our code fastbreak. Head on over to patreon.com if you want to interact more with us, if you want to support us there, if you want to join our private Slack chat where we talk about basketball and whatever else around the clock, you can get that for $3 a month. Uh, We'd really like it if the people who listen to this show would support us. Uh, We're just a few away from 100 patrons. That'd be really cool if we got to 100. Our goal, my honest goal, is to get 5% of you to pay. If 5% of you paid, that would be a huge deal. So uh, if if you've been listening for a while, you feel like maybe you want to give a buck a month, it'd be really appreciated. Patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. You can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at FastBreakBreak. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast break break, man. You understand?